Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. In the middle of Tundra, Kentucky, right? I mean, it is cold outside, but we're glad you showed up. We're glad we're, we're together. It's kind of warm up in here, so uh, if you're cold, just step outside for a minute. I guarantee it, you'll feel a lot better. Um, hey, I noticed something on Friday, and it's just weird how we do this, Kentuckians. Uh, I know it gets weirder as you further you go south, but did anybody go to Walmart on Friday? I mean, you can't find milk or bread. It's like Armageddon. I mean, it is nuts. My wife goes, and she goes to Walmart early, and she says, hey, I got some things for this weekend. She didn't bother to tell me that, you know, she picked up milk, eggs, and bread. And, and so we brought home, we, we, we are now Walmart at home because both of us brought home eggs, milk, you know, the whole nine yards. And so we have three of everything. Uh, it is great. So if you need some, just come over to Kilby House. We'll, 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 we'll figure this out together. We'll pass it around. We'll share it. How about that? We'll share it. You'll hear that word a lot tonight. But thanks for coming. I know it's it's cold. Uh, but hey, check this out. Last week, we started this new series called Advance. And it's why we can't slow down because our mission is so great. And we're so excited about what, what God's done in our life over the last couple of years. If you, if you don't know our story, we've only been around for a couple of years and, and we're excited what God's doing. So it's our mission of being fully devoted. And, and that's what we're focusing in on in this current series for the next couple of weeks, it's called Advance. And so next week, literally, if you, if you like target practice, I don't know if you know what skeet shooting is or you know stuff like that, but target practice, if I got your attention, that's what we're going to be focusing on next week, simply because we need to know exactly what our target is. We need to know what our target is so we can continue to launch forward in great and huge ways for our city, for our region, and literally for our world, uh, the way the Bible describes it. And so for us next week, it's all about target practice, and we want you to be here simply because we believe uh, we are stronger together when we are focused on the same mission and uh, vision and principle and everything about it. Because when we, we are focused on love, Oh, get ready. It can, it, we are forced for good. It is fun to be around people who love the same thing that you love, right? Um, and so, hey, listen, uh, as we launch into this, this day, as we launch into this morning, um, you, you got to understand that we're going to dive into something, a topic about partnering and what that looks like. And if you're new with us and you're kind of skeptic, I understand. Uh, and if you're on that, that teeter-totter, what's my next step? I hope God starts to, to move I- into your heart and allows you to understand who we are, our, our identity, right? Uh, our identity in Christ and allows us to grow together. And so that's where we're going to be today. Uh, if, you're, if you're really new with us today, you pick today of all days to come. Uh, Congratulations, but it's, just, it's going to be a great day. I promise that. Here's why. Because I promise at the end of the day, you'll have a decision to make where, where you stand with God. I mean, that's where we're at. Either, either you're going to be all in, all in, or you're going to be still sitting there with your bumpers up going, I don't know. And that's okay. But I hope, hope the Holy Spirit starts to prick your heart a little bit and he starts to challenge you in ways that maybe you've never been challenged before. And so uh, as we just sort of dump in, you know, I'm just going to ask that you consider this, you know, have you, ever, have you ever been a member of something before? Like maybe it's a membership at the gym or a membership at a club or maybe it's a membership somewhere. You're, you're a member, right? You get your little card and you pull your card and says, I'm a member of AAA, right? You know, it, it's, it's those type of membership. You pay your dues and you expect the fee and you know, get something, a right in return. You know, at first of the year, you always have to do those renewals, those membership renewals. And, and maybe it is to the gym. And, and for some of you, you're going at it really strong. But next week, I 
maybe the next week after that, or maybe the next week after that, you, 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 stop, you, you start to ease up a little bit, but you still got your membership. You still pay that, you know, maybe it's the, you know, the, the, the jelly of the club month. I don't know. It, it could be a little bit of anything. Uh, but, they, you know, what, what happens is, is, I think it's interesting, especially with gyms, you get yelled at when you don't show up, right? You get yelled at because you, they want you there. They want you to be a part. And, 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 but if us pastors in our area, we yelled at you for not showing up, that would be in a crazy moment for all pastors around here. You know, there should be a moment people just stop going to church. But here's what I've learned over the last 30-some-odd years. A, a member will expect something in return. I don't know if you realize that, but I think membership, that's what happens. You expect something in return. And when people are members of something, they really expect their rights. If they pay into something, they expect their rights. They feel like they own it. They feel like it's theirs. And, and, and so from clubs to being able to use the pool or patio or, you know, or birthday area or gyms where they, you can use this you know, elliptical or this machine, or I don't even know what half of them are, you can clearly tell about my body. You know, you can look at that and just, I, you know, it's just, there's those, those machines, right? And over the years, I think the idea called church, we, we've gravitated into this idea of what membership really looks like because that's what we've done in the Western world of church. And I think Jesus died for something so much more than that. I think that Jesus really died for something that he wanted partners to invest into. But since that's the culture we live in, that's what happens when we gather in our culture. We just say, oh, I'm a member of this church. We, pastors do it all the time. How many people you got running nowadays? How many, people, how many members you got, right? We use the language. And I don't think that's the language we find in the Bible whatsoever. I clearly can't find it, but we say it all the time. So the question is, why? You see, when we launched this movement, I and along some other guys and, and women and, and just people who were on their knees in their face in the living room, I remember it clearly. We, did, we didn't want a movement of membership because membership deserves rights, right? We didn't want this type of membership here because we believe that Jesus taught in a way of more of sharing the load and burden and moving in the same direction as one another. It's more of a partnering with the same like-mind values. It was a movement together because we helped carry each other's load. Along the journey of the last couple of years, man, seriously, we've, we've had some interesting things happen. Satan has come full force on the guys who've literally said, you know what, this is what Centerpoint's going to look like as far as we're going to be obedient to Christ and we want to launch this for the city. Man, Satan comes after those leaders and we've literally carried the load with one another through some strange and weird things. Satan is relentless on how he attacks when he sees love at the center. See, we wanted something so simple that people could reproduce, not a list of things of membership, but simply love at its core foundation. You see, what, what has happened of where we live, the Western church has adopted this attitude of membership and I believe it has killed the movement that, that he started and, and, and that's why that's why we don't need members who have rights, but partners who share the responsibility. I'll say it again. You know, we don't need members who have rights, we, but we want partners who share the responsibility. Last week, we talked in Ezra where it said, hey, they began to work. They shared in the responsibility. All who had the ability to do it, they shared in the responsibility of getting to work and putting forth their best effort. And so what I've learned is, is when I'm at home, when I'm at home, 
in my house, um, you know, as much as I think I have a right, you know, and I'm a member of this culture in my house, it's more of a partnership. That's what my wife says. You know, your responsibility and my, you know, we're, we're in it together. And sometimes I don't quite understand. I think it's more of a membership club some days. But the truth be told, and she's testifying by laughing, um, cautiously, <laughs> and now I'm in trouble. But, you know, it's those moments of clarity where Sarah and I are a partner in this together. Now, the first time that I really saw this come alive was this week. And I'll share this really quickly. But I saw my wife, you know, we, 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 hey, we're, we're parents and we're, we're trying to figure this out. And we're, we have four young kids. We, we have a Maximus, an Amiya, and a Micaiah, and then the blessing called Matthias. And so, you know, I love my wife. But it's those moments of clarity for us. And we, we're trying to learn how to, what it means to discipline, right? And so we're still working on discipline. We don't get it right all the time. But at the same time, Sarah doesn't like the, the, the force of, the, we, we have a Lowe's paddle. And I love the Lowe's paddle. Lowe's paddle is a stir stick, right? And it's a little paint stick and we use it. We use it often. It's a great thing in our house. I love to use the paint stick and I love the discipleship portion of the because I get to disciple my kids through discipline. But it's those moments of clarity. If you don't like that, you know, I'm sorry, but we can talk later. And you know, those moments of clarity where literally we have to enforce some rules in our house. And Sarah's always the moment of just love them to death, and we're just gonna love them through it with a timeout. I'm just like, timeout! I got something for a timeout, and so we don't get along on the same page. <laughs> By the way, not getting along on the same page, you know, we have a Christian marriage retreat coming up, and that's a great thing to go to, right? In a couple, in basically a month from now. And so I'd encourage you to be a part of that. It's not because you don't disagree, it's because you want to work on your marriage. And so, anyways, here we are last week, and my wife's had it up to here with with the only female in the house. And so she's, you know, she's like really struggling with her and I'm struggling with the other three boys and we're just in there and we're just like, I pull out this samurai sword, you know, the, 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 the low stick and man, it's like, whoosh, kids disappear. And Sarah's like pushing him back into play. Get him, Jason, get him. I was like, I love my wife. We're partnering for the first time. You know, and so, and so one of them kid gets it and she looks at me and goes, good job. And the second one, she got it. She's just in there laughing now. I hear her laughing. And the third one gets it, and I have to spank a little easier on the littlest one. Not Matthias. We don't beat him. You know. <laughs> Maybe in a soon. He's walking now. He's in trouble. But the youngest one gets it too, and she walks in. She goes, I love you. And I said, I love you too. And we started looking at each other, and I was like, all because the paddle works? And she's like, no, simply because the paddle allows us to understand that we're in it together. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, we are. This is what partnership looks like. And I don't know where that is for you this morning, but in my house, we partner together with a lot of things. We might not get everything right, but we're in it together. But a lot of people look at it, especially in, in, in the houses that we grew up, we, we look at it from a membership. This is what I have. This is, this is the right I get. Maybe it's at a club, or maybe it's at a gym, or maybe it's the rights that we think we have. And since I pay, right, since I pay, I get to do this, or this is my right as the leader, or this is my right as a, as a member. And I think a lot of people in churches feel that way, especially, you know, me growing up in church. I, I really believe that. People think just because I'm a member, I get to use the sanctuary or the, the gym or this portion, anytime, any place, right? They just fill out the little paperwork and it's, it's their right. So as we dive in today, 
I hope we create some tension and we have some fun doing it in the room because where there's tension, I think it gets our attention. And so it allows us to lean in and ask some tough questions. And so a great question is, is, is really, what, what does God say about all this? What does God say about this? Does membership matter? Because I know like, there's some great churches and theolog- theologians around the world will, will argue, you know, hey, membership is, allows us to understand who's with you, right? And, and what are you doing? And this is who we stand for. And, and, I, and I'm not going to argue that the churches are wrong. But what I'm going to ask, a simple question is, does it matter? D- does partnership matter? Does it allow us to move further faster? and attack a city and a region and a world that desperately needs his love. So let's read the Bible. Let's read the Bible. And and, and if you need a Bible, hey, there's Bibles in the back and we always have them at Connection Point. If you need a Bible, if you want to grab a Bible, there's there's a Bible back there we give out. We've we've given out so many Bibles over the past couple of years. It's it's, it's awesome to see people needing God's word. But more importantly, we encourage, hey, uh, there's the U version. There's the Olive Tree version. These are the digital download versions. We we partner with people there strategically. Hey, they're there for you. But if you got your Bible, let's go to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. And if you got Acts 2, you're going to see something that happens here. Here's a small group of people that, that, were, that Jesus gave instructions to, and, and they advanced the gospel in a way that affected us today. I mean, it, they literally did. They, 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 they invested into, they partnered with what God was saying, what Jesus was saying, and, and I believe Jesus leaves his people in Acts chapter one, and he gives them some amazing instructions to go change the world. He tells them to leave, the, you know, to leave home for the very first time and to go to the uttermost parts of the world and to literally be a beacon of hope be a beacon of love and change the world. And that was hard for them to understand because literally, you know, it's like they never have even left Lincoln County before, right? And some of you are like, wow, that's me, you know? Or maybe it's Casey County where you call home or Mercer County, wherever the home is, or maybe it's Boyle. They, they just, they have never left and they haven't gone over to the next county over and the next state over. Or maybe even around the world, they don't even know what that means, but this is what Jesus was challenging them to go to the uttermost parts of the world, to leave home and go share what, what I have done for you. And so there's one guy in particular. His name is Peter. Now, people know the story of Peter simply because of a rooster that crowed and he denied Jesus three times on, during his, 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 his moment in time in history. And he swore up and down he would never do it, but he did it. He denied, he denied, and he denied. But he also said in Scripture that Jesus just had those moments of embrace with, with Peter. And Peter, you know, he did some great things while he was hanging out with Jesus. But one of the things Peter challenged Jesus and Jesus challenged Peter, he said, listen, I'm on your name, man. I'm going to build my church on your name. And the gates of hell don't even stand a chance what I have in store. And so Peter now is in Acts 1 because, you know, up from the grave he arose and now Peter's all in. He's like, this is going to be great. Oh, yeah, bring it on. And this is what takes place. Peter starts going crazy. He starts, he starts proclaiming the good news. And he does it so radically, it was just captivating. And people were listening because it, they were taking Peter seriously for the first time because Jesus encouraged him so much. He was on fire, literally just inside and just going out and you know, just telling people about the love Jesus has for them because it's changed his life. He was preaching. He was loving. He was teaching. He was discipling. And so Peter was with James, James' brother Jesus, and John. These are the three guys that were all in it together, and they were working as one in the early chapters of Acts. 
and this movement that Jesus launched. And Peter begins to preach in chapter 2. And this is where they started sharing the stories of how they've seen changed lives that now what? Changed lives. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this. Acts 2, verse 41, it says, they believed they were baptized and they added to the church that day, right? They believed and they, they, they saw something take place. And the, and the church literally was so simple There was no memberships and no classes, no forms, just that they believed and they had something called changed lives that changed lives. And it says this in verse 41, those who accepted the message, so this is pretty simple, if you're just listening to me and you accept the message, they were baptized. They they followed, they followed what Peter was saying. And it said something remarkably happened. About 3,000, 3,000 were added to their number. What's these two words? That day, not tomorrow, not next week, not the next time when we have this huge baptismal sermon or, you know, go in public service or maybe when we have the, bring them all in for some classes to understand their values. It clearly says, what? That day. It says those who accepted the message that Jesus is Lord, right, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I don't know how many people you come in contact with daily, I don't know where you work, where you live, where you play, but on average, I guarantee it, we, we see a lot of people where we work, live, and play. And, and, and if we get serious about change lives that change lives, we will see the same thing. It was just that simple. We don't need a pastor to come in and start proclaiming the gospel. We need you to step up and share your story. That's what a partner does. A partner says, I've got this. You've, 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 you give, you've, you get, scripture says, Jesus says, in all authority, I give you, you, go do it, right? Go do it. Go make disciples. And this is exactly what Peter and James and John were doing. And they literally went out and did it. And it says, that day, 3,000 people were added to the faith. This, the process was simple. It wasn't complex. It was simple. And that's why when we launched, we wanted something called Church Made Simple. We, we feel like sometimes it, it makes it sort of complex. And, and, I, and I drew this up in, in a long time ago, and I just want to show you the, the simplicity of it. And I know some of you are like, what is it? Well, I drew it out pretty quickly, but just to show you, at the very beginning, Jesus said, hey, Jesus is at the center of this right here. He's our center point. And then he said, go love God, go love others, and go make disciples. But eventually the church got involved, and then when the church got involved, they had, they had what? Walls. And they had, you know, business meetings. Who loves those, right? And then they had staff. And then they got, you know, you can just fill in the gaps. And then over here they had boy stuff, girl stuff. And they had the choir stuff. And then they got business meetings, more meetings. And you can fill all the rest of these in. You, you can probably come up with a dozen of them. And this is why it gets kind of complex because you see the shape of this? It's a stop sign. People stop coming because it gets so far from this. It gets so far from this that people can't even see what God was intended to do with our actions of loving God, loving others, and going and make disciples because we get so focused on these things. And then we have to go ask these guys to do it, and we focus on this stuff. So we, we filter our way in. Do we have this to do this, to go over here? Oh, what about the space? Oh, we've got about the space. Permission. I'm not saying all these things are bad. I'm just saying we focus more on these things, and so eventually it never focuses or even touches this thing, which is Jesus' love. And I've seen more churches go south because they never touch this at all. And it's complex. It's like something you, 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 know, you, you learn in, in mathematics, you know, in, in algebraic. 
you know, or it's Greek. I don't know, but I just, I've, I've noticed over time, when you ask, when you ask a simple question, hey, why don't you go to church? Well, I hear more about the money or the staff, or there was just situations in the youth and the girls and the choir, it's, it's a space, or we argued over what color the carpet was going to be in a business meeting. And I just hear the junk, and I never hear, well, I, I left because Jesus was too loving. I never heard that one. The people just were too loving. They all had everything in common, and it just drove me crazy. I've never heard that one before. But I hear the confusion on the outside, and then I hear about the walls on the inside, but I never heard about the one in the middle. Isn't that interesting that the Western church has more focused on these outside walls than what Jesus intended for it to look like? See, that's the complexity that I think we've messed up on. And I don't want to mess up anymore. I want to make it so simple that we literally are following and being obedient to what Jesus launched. You see, I, I really believe that the church has made it complex because we, we, we can't imagine a movement, what it really looks like to multiply like they did without walls because we're spatial creatures. We are. We, we, we got to have walls to make it work some days. We got to have walls sometimes to make it feel like a home. But Jesus thinks cosmos and universe is his home, and he, and he just sees us, and, and I get that we have to have certain things, right? But the truth is, what if it looks like if we could shift our attention, our attention, and we cause so much attention to what we're causes, and love really lays a foundation of, of what it looks like to share a story where we work, live, and play. It starts to change his lives. We don't focus on the little things. We focus on the big thing, which is Jesus. You see, because this, this word called church in the original text, this word called church, it's actually called ecclesia. You know, the, word, the German word kirch, where we sort of come from, and the identity is a German word, and it actually says four walls. But the truth be told, ecclesia is an, as an assembly. It's, it's us this morning. It's a gathering out of the called out ones. Those who have been called out to, to love God, to love others, and to go make disciples, it's an ecclesia. That's why we always say we're not having a worship service. We're having a gathering. We gather on Sunday mornings to come here to worship, to bring those who are far from God to, 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 just, to see what God can do, just to see what God can do. And then he'll get the credit for it because we don't get the credit for it because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so that's why it's so important to understand the language and where we're at and, and understand why we do what we do because we believe we're the called out ones to share in Jesus' love together. You see, partners share values and we move together Step by step. Membership tells us rules of do's and don'ts and, and, and who. So my question is, is, who are your partners are in life with you right now? Your friends? Your family? You see, I know some families that have members type of mentality. But a true partner, man, even in the, the darkest of times, they, they get messy with you. And I've often said this way, you know, you, you know who your friends are when they're, they're willing to shovel some, you know, with you. I live on a farm, so I understand some of those principles. When you're willing to go scrape up some manure, some poop, other people are just going to call it what it is. But when you're willing to go do that with some people, roll up your sleeves and get messy, well, then you understand. That's what a partner is in life. And you start to move forward. And I know that there's some that would argue membership through through what we do and how we do it in church life would, would be the only way we can move forward because we know who is with us. But I would say values are, not preferred values, because see, membership is full of preferred values. 
Fair values say, oh, this is, what I, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is, this is how I roll. But a true values is it's changing who you are daily. Just because you have a member does not mean that they will follow the rules. How many people know that? I, I was a rule breaker. I'm just going to be honest. You know, it says never to do X, Y, Z at the gym. I always did things differently. I, I, you know, I, I can't follow rules sometimes. And that's the truth. I guarantee we got some people here today that are in that same boat. And just because, you know, we have membership rules doesn't mean we're going to follow them. You see, I would rather have people who have values that stick with them and say, you know what? It's changed my life, and this is why it's important to me, because Jesus changed my life. And I'm going to stay close to that because I'm going to follow that. You know why? Because they were all in. When we have people that are all in, it changes, changes what we care about, and we move together, and we follow the same values. And they will share in their values together in a way that changes lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says they believed and they were all together. And it's not just a childlike faith, right, in a tooth fairy or, or a Santa Claus. It's not that type. It's literally an all-in type of moment. And in 41, it says those who accepted the message were followers. They were baptized. And they literally took next steps in everything. And, you know, and so some people have said, you know, to me, why do we do videos before we go public? Some people are scared to death of doing a video. And that's the only reason, it's the only hiccup, because you're petrified of all these lights in front of you and you're sharing your story. And I would say it this way. I, I can preach uh, 500 sermons and, and none of those sermons are nearly as impactful of, as your life-changing story. None of them. That's why we say we, we want to give you a tool to sit down in front of somebody, me or one of our other people that shoot the video, and just literally ask some basic questions so you feel confident of why God is, is literally at the center of your life and you begin to point to him and you begin to live life, life worthy of reproduction that can multiply and go out into a culture where you work, where you live, where you play. And that's why we say we want you to share that with three people and invite three people to come with you. And so we can literally see life change all around you. You see, I believe that Jesus didn't just hang on a cross for you to be afraid of shooting a video. There's no way. That's why we do a going public video. That's why we want you to share it. We want you to just to literally text it out, tweet it out. Facebook it out, whatever we got, you know, whatever the new app is out there, we want you to use it to literally glorify God because it's your story, not mine. Jesus says, follow me and you'll change, right? But when we, when we say this day, that day, that's the moment that you, clarity brings in. And I really believe that when we sort of look at this and, and other things and, and the principles of everything, membership though, just focus on that one, one more time. Membership says change and then you can come in. And we've talked about that before, but I really want to press the button on that one. I think Jesus says, follow me and you'll change. But I really believe that membership says, change, and then you can come in. And I, and I think we get stuck on some of these, these just twisting of words and vocabulary. But I just want you to experience Jesus. And I promise, life change happens naturally. Changes it changes things quickly in your environment, at your home, in your marriage, where you work, where you live, where you play, and you can't shut up about it. You see, it says often in this passage, it says that they're saying and they experience Jesus and, they, and they're just showing up to, to not just to fill up a row, but they're literally just that day experiencing a, a moment in their life that changed their life and they just got to go share it. That's why they grew. That's why they multiplied. And that's, that's why they added to their numbers daily. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 42. I'm getting ahead of myself. When we first started, we, we talked about what it means to devote yourself. And I challenged even some of our pastors here, campus pastors, what does it really mean to devote yourself to this? And so Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it starts off this way, you know. Uh, it talks about what it really means to go devoting yourselves. And, and they are doing it, and, and they're not waiting on the church to give them the permission to lead the Bible study or to, to gather up, you know, people on a Sunday morning. They are literally meeting at O'Charlie's on Wednesday night because it's free pie Wednesday. You know, that's what this text really says, right? They're just gathering up people to go out and enjoy. Hey, I'm gonna buy you pie. Okay, cool, I'll be with you. You know, now we're going to, and you start breaking out the Bible. Man, this is what God's been challenging my life this week and it's changed me. What does it do for you? And they're just sitting there eating their free pie. And then the next thing you know is something crazy comes out of their mouth, a Jesus story. And then you start to ask questions of who, where, when, why, what are we going to do about it? And then all of a sudden, you, you got a movement started right there it, it around O'Charlie's. You know, and it says in verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, right? To the word, to the fellowship. They're having fun at O'Charlie's and to the sharing in meals, right? Including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That's why we pray often with groups and small groups and clusters because it can change lives. You see, that's why one of our values here, number one, it says this. If you're taking notes, this is a great note to take, to understand. But number one value is, is I will give up the things I love for the things I love even more. You see, it's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. And and the local church is the hope of the world. And we know we can accomplish infinitely more together than apart. And so I, I will devote myself to seeing changed lives starting with me. And when we do this, it literally changes the culture around me. You see, in the first century church, there was a personal commitment to the local church because they knew that they were the church, and so they went all in. They had nothing else. It was, it was already taken away from them once, and now they're seeing what happens when they go all in. In this passage, we see the words breaking of bread, right? Breaking of bread. You see, some people even today ask me a lot, you know, how come we don't do that more often on Sundays? How come we don't take communion on Sundays? And here's why. Because we try and hold those moments for our nights of worship in more intimate settings. Because we know those nights are for those who are all in. I mean, it's less full on those nights. And we, just, we, we know that people are here for a reason, a specific reason. And we, we encourage you to do it at home or where you work with people that you, that you know that you know that are all in. You see, we don't want to cause uh, people to say one thing up here and mean another whole thing on a Sunday because they feel guilty into taking it. You see, I remember those moments as a kid. I took it there at the very beginning because I, I just wanted to be cool like the rest of the people because I thought that's what it was. little grape, a little cracker, right? We don't want to cause people to stumble and fall later on in their faith. And, and so we, we want to, to this moment to literally just be a moment of clarity for all of us. Because we, we want this right here moment to be for anybody, wherever you walk, wherever you're at. With, maybe you don't even agree with God right now. That's okay. We want this moment to be for those type of gathering spaces on Sunday morning. But those moments when we can gather together and it's more intimate, we want, we want you to do this. And if, and if this doesn't bug you, um, this is at home, Right? I remember about five, six years ago when, we, when this really just stuck out to me. It says in their homes, they broke sharing meals, and including the Lord's Supper. And I remember, I told Sarah, I, was like, I don't ever remember breaking bread and doing communion at home. And that bugged me because here clearly it says they did it often, randomly and often. And I'm sitting there going, why, 
what, where did I go wrong in this passage? I don't ever remember ever doing this. I always remember the pastor doing it once a quarter or in certain churches every Sunday. How come I can't do this at home? And, and literally, he, he's, he's told me I can do it at home. And so we've done it with our family groups and, and, and our small groups. And, and we've done it with other things. And we just sometimes doing it just out, in the, out and about. And it's just, it's so much more fun to just to say, God, thank you for today. And, and, and to use a, a piece of bread and break it and give it out to other people and, and, and have a piece of common cup. Then we drink a juice. And, and it's, it's so much more value in that when we do it together and we're all in with one purpose. And so I challenge you to consider that. What does it look like to do communion at home, at your home, and remember the love God has for you? You see, there was a personal commitment to the local church. Their passion for the local church was huge. And I pray that we get that same type of vibrancy in us because it literally changed the culture and atmosphere around them and because of their devotion. It's not an emotion to come on Sunday mornings. It was literally a devotion to show up in tundra-like moments like today. It was literally a, a devotion that, hey, listen, I am all in, and I want to be a part of this because God has changed my life. He has saved my marriage. He's allowed me to experience this. And I'm telling you, I want to be a partner in this. And this is what they did. They moved. They kept on sharing their story. In Acts chapter 2, verses 43, the question that I would propose to you this morning is, when was the last time you had a deep sense of awe? A couple weeks ago, there was a football game, and, and, you know, and for some of you, like, man, that was a deep sense of awe. I could not believe that Alabama came back. And it was, da, da, da. Okay, that's great. Maybe you're a football fan. Maybe you're a basketball fan. And maybe that was a, or just a something. that Maybe your kid took five steps, and you're like, oh, right? But literally, when was the last deep sense of awe? And I was challenging myself, and I remember there's a there's a you know a worship service here a couple weeks ago on New Year's Eve night, and I was like, you know, do we do it? Do we not? Do we not? Do we do it? And we went all in on it, and we said, okay, God, just show up, show off, do your thing. And we're up here singing some songs, and we were singing a song called "Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here." Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. And the next thing I know, I see a, a young lady that was literally going all in. And I'm like, this is why. And I had a moment of awe because as a leader, I was like, you know, do we do it or do we not? And God just asked us to be obedient. I'll give up the things I love for the things I love more. And I, and I was teetering with that one. I'm just confessing this as a leader. And so I literally went all in. And literally, when we went all in, we had a couple leaders show up to sing. We had about 75 people show up. And it was just a great moment because we watched a young lady give her heart to Christ simply because we were faithful with what he's given us. A space, some instruments, some words, some lyrics, some screens. And we watch life change take place. You see, that's what happens. In verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miracle signs and wonders. And literally, I mean, after that, we could have gone out and just told the whole city. And we, we, we rejoiced and we just talked her through it. And we're just, hey, we're going to experience another light bulb going out in the, in the, in the orange room. And, and we're going to just see some more change life takes place because of one moment, an awe moment. This is something that changes who you are and you can't shut up about it and you share it and you share it and you share it. What is that moment for you in 2018 already? We're like 12 days in, 14 days in now, right? What is that moment? Maybe it was something in 2017, but what is it? Acts 2, verses 44, verses 45. When was the last time that you witnessed this, everything in common? That's a tough one for churches. Or sharing in everything, right? When was the last time? It says in verse 44, it says, and all the believers met together and in one place, and they what? They shared everything. Come on, say it with me, church. And they what? Shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions, and they what? Shared the money. I know that one's kind of hard to say. Some of you are like, money. And with those in need, right? And they shared everything, and they shared the money. You, you know what the Greek word for everything is right here in this passage? Everything. <laughs> My wife got it. You know, that was funny. It is really. It's shared everything means everything. Some people, I literally know people that do this, and they're just like, nuh uh. Mine, I earned it. Nope, I'll just tip God today. That's just the way I row. He'll bless me because I am I. I know people like that. And I also know people that just think, hey, this, it's mine. I, I can't do it. Or I, I, I don't know how, I don't have the resources to do it. Or, you know, I hear all kinds of stories, but it, it back it up. It says they shared everything. It, they shared everything. And then they start to share the money. Right? And number two, value for us, if you're taking notes, it says this, I will honor Christ and his church with obedience in everything. In everything, not some things, everything. You don't get to pick and choose around here. You really have to be obedient to everything. And if you delay it, that's the same thing as being disobedient, by the way. And I will honor Christ and his church with obedience in everything. If we live with obedience, nothing else matters. I want you to hear that. If we live with obedience, nothing else matters. Now hear this, if we don't live with obedience, nothing else matters. We will live with a radical, radical obedience that reflects Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we, people look in, they'll say, you know what, that person follows something different. You see, shared values allow us to experience shared grace. And it moves people. You see, when we share everything with the way that we live, with, with, with what God has gifted us, some of you are good with kids. Let's just be honest. Some of you are really, really good with kids, and you're hoarding out on that talent because some other parents are not so good with kids. And you've chosen not to serve just because it's your time. It's your time on Sundays to come and just relax. But I'm telling you, there's kids out here that need your love. And people really desperately need to feel your skill set that God has gifted you and how you love to love on kids. Because to be really honest, you're just a big kid down and deep inside. And you know who I'm talking about. And some of you are really good with worship and you can help play some musical instruments, but you're sitting on it because you're too afraid to get up here and play. Or you can sing, or at least you think you can sing. That's why we have interviews. And so, you know, we have tryouts, right? And so you think you can sing, but maybe we need to do a tryout first. And so we can, maybe you're good with computers, right? And some of you are like, I'm really good with computers. I, I, can, I, can, I got this kind of mag, you know, I don't see, I'm not techie. But you're really good at it, right? And you're like, I can do this. And you just choose not to serve on Sunday. You don't choose to come in a little bit earlier and try to figure it out and try to help someone else experience the love of Jesus. Some of you are really good with teens and you're amazing at developing relationships between you and it's just who you are, but you work with teens all week long and you're like, I can't do it on Sundays. I need a break. Some of you are good with cooking and you're amazing at it. And some of you are not. And let's just stick with the people who are good at it. <laughs> just being honest. I have to throw that out there. The truth be told, some of you are really good with cooking and you need to share that with us. <laughs> You really need to start considering what does it look like to bake some cupcakes for some students who never get birthdays. I now have a place that we can bake some cupcakes who are all in. And they're wanting to partner with us and start to share cupcakes with students who never receive a birthday. Now then, if you're interested in helping cooking or learning how to cook, we got a place right across the street now that wants to partner with us. 
simply because they make some really good cupcakes. And we've been over there talking about what God's doing. And I'm just like, okay, listen, I, I can dream bigger. And they're like, we can too. Uh, we just got to develop some partnerships and more people that want to go cook. Maybe on a Wednesday night, just gather. And that's all you do is cook cupcakes for the city, for teens, for people. Maybe it's just writing a, a word of encouragement. Maybe it is literally mowing a yard or, or, or shoveling some snow and throwing some ice on a sidewalk because people are really good at that. Some people can really suck up a lawn. I mean, they just don't know how to mow yet. Maybe some of you are good with speaking Spanish and you haven't taught anybody and you need to. Maybe you're good at cleaning and you just you have a talent inside you that you, you, you are so OCD, just come over to my house and help us, right? We got four kids, remember that. But maybe you're really good at cleaning and we need some help around here because on, on Sundays it just doesn't magic. There's not a magic tooth fairy or cleaning fairy that walks in and goes, ah, toosh, and everything goes back to normal. You guys are messy and dirty, man. You leave a lot of trash underneath the seat some days. Just being honest. But the truth be told, if we, if we focus on what we have inside us and we're good at it and when we love to present this, we, we'll, we'll have a clean environment simply because you care and you shared. You see, it's just everyone shared and everything. This is how they got things moving in the right direction because it was just commonality. It was a common language. They, they moved together. They did not wait for the pastor to, to do it all. Just, 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 you know, this is the culture we created because it was a part of, you know, their culture to share. However, our culture in the Western teaches this idea of membership and membership waits on those who are working or staff or to serve, meaning we, we pay the staff to do it, to clean it, to present it. But that's not what happened here in Scripture. And that's not what happens here at the loft, by the way. No one sort of gets paid on staff and we, and we just literally just do this. We move together because we believe in something so much greater. And we want to share the load with you to present the gospel to our culture and our region and our world. And we want to say, you know what, that, that, that's what love looks like. Now, now, what is the next piece here is, is they shared that money. And, and I know if you hear that word, you're thinking, here comes the speech, right? It's the first of the year. You know, here, here comes the big speech about money. Nope, I just want to debunk that one real quickly. And again, I'll say, if that's the only word you've heard so far, that's, that's where your heart is. And if your heart is all wrapped around money, Jesus knows. And maybe that's what you need to examine today. But, but for us, what does this mean, though, they, the money? Well, for money, we take in here at Centerpoint, we want to be so transparent with it that, and I mean, we really want to be more than transparent. That's why we have multiple systems in play to hold each other accountable. We got multiple tiers of systems that literally make sure that the money is being held accountable to because we value what God's presenting to us to, to store and to, to present and, and to do ministry with. Uh, and we, we literally, we have people that check in on us that are from the outside that don't even go to church here that literally hold us accountable to those numbers and they check in often. And because we want to create an atmosphere that can multiply and grow in ways that Jesus literally gets the credit for. Not a, you know, not a system where we just select a handful of people that, that, that knows what's happening and the pastor is literally sneaking away millions. Trust me, that's not happening. And I know, I know though we've heard stories because we live in a culture where that's happened. I know we've heard those stories over a time where, where money has been snuck away, but it's not happening in this first century church because they had systems, and it's not happening here. 
And I want you to be assured of that. That's why I can say this, and I hope you will join us on this journey together, especially with number three, the value number three that we hold, is I will lead the way with crazy generosity. Not me, not just me, but all of us. I will lead the way with crazy generosity. We truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive, and we will support the local church and then give more as God provides, because you cannot give God. The, the gift here, even more, is because it's, it's simple. It's not, it's not ours in the first place. The gift here is it's not ours in the first place, and we just get to manage it for a while and then pass it on. Now then, if you're still skeptical, and I, and I get that, that some people are because that's just where you've been beat up most of your life, and I'll challenge you to do this. You keep on coming here, you keep on coming here, but I don't want you to give here anymore. I want you to find another church or another organization, and you start to give to that organization. Because I don't want you to just to, you know, just to, oh, it's always about the money speech. Uh -uh. I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to have a pure heart, a generous heart, a crazy generous heart that multiplies inwardly. And it challenges you because you're starting to see life change. Because I want you to see the power of what happens when we do this together. And you start to focus on 2018 to see changed lives that change lives. You see, you won't have to worry about giving anymore because it will become a natural part of who you are. Because you see what happens when love moves. And if you've never experienced love, then maybe that's where you need to start today. What does, it, what does a changed life look like in 2018 when love's at the center of it? Well, it changes everything, even your wallet. But if you're not there yet, hey, don't give here. I challenge you to give somewhere else and just watch what happens. Now, you know what they did not share, though, in the text? And I just want to speak on this for a second because I think it's something of value and, I, and it's just who I am in my culture that I want to help create is you don't see them sharing something that is old here or used things, right? I grew up in a culture of, of a church culture where uh, we had a youth room and you know what's in a youth room full of in the cultures that we grew up in is, is old couches that do not match. Used couches, you know, patterns from the 1960s, stains from the 1970s and smells from the 1980s. Well, no, that was just the youth. But, you know, it's just, you know why these were rooms the way they are? It's because they got rid of old things, right? The value was, well, this is, this is what we do. We just, we just pass it on, right? And well, the first century church, they shared everything. They shared everything, even the money. They did not, they did not follow what it means to share uh, just our, our old junk that we aren't using no more. No, they went out and got the new stuff. They, they bought new stuff and they said, here, here's some money, here's some resources, let's go do it. Let's, let's see what God can do with it. Let's just see how he blesses it and multiplies it. You know, I would love to be able to say, hey, this is the youth room, this is the new living room area, this is the new student lounge, this is the new kidsville, this is the new stuff, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna reach. And when, when a kid walks in, let's just be honest, parents, when a kid walks in and they get so excited to come to church, what does that make you feel like? That you wanna bring them back, Right? And then if, there's, if you got students who are living room in, in, in the age of youth and teens, and, and they're just like, man, I can't, I can't wait to get there because of things that are happening here or the environments that we are able to create with resources. It changes the atmosphere of where, what your home looks like. And you want to be a part of, you move to more of an all-in moment. And even with our own worship and our technology and stuff like that, when we can create those moments and the, those things, and it's not just something that's it's old or it's breaking down, it's, it's something that's new and it's allowed us to experience something so much better. We can see God do something that only he can get the credit, credit for. And it literally can allow us to dream even bigger. But that comes with us sharing in everything. Ezra chapter 1. 
Last week, we, we dove into Ezra, and Ezra chapter three basically allowed us to experience last year what love built and how it built on a foundation. And when we really investigate chapter two, we really see who was with them. It's all the descendants. And if you got some time today, go home and read Ezra chapter two. And then if you got some really time, go back and read chapter one because they're coming out of captivity and they're really just literally understanding where are they going and the only thing that they had. Now then I've read this chapter multiple times and I knew there's a reason why we were supposed to read it because this is basically where we're at today. And and it floored me because I couldn't really get past this. But it says in Ezra chapter one, verse nine, they're coming out of captivity and this is the inventory. It says the inventory is really specific. This is the inventory that they had. And it says, this is the list, verse nine. This is the list of the items that they returned with. Gold basins, 30. Silver basins, 1,000. Silver uh, pieces, burners, or inventory, gold dishes, 30, silver dishes, 1,000, silver pans, 29, 10 gold bowls, 30 matching silver bowls, 410 other articles, 1,000, and over 5,400 articles of gold and silver were all presented. Now, some people may be like, what does that got to do with anything? Well, first of all, them and Martha Stewart would have got along really well. But the truth be told, it's, it's, these, are, these are some pots and pans that were worth value, right? And they knew the only way in verse chapter three and, and right on down there, it says they gave money. Where'd the money come from? Well, they shared in everything. The only thing they had was something that was literally in their possession that was worth a value and they got rid of it to be able to recreate or build something that only love gets the credit for. Was well, that a lot to us? Well, go back and read Acts chapter two where we just said they shared in everything. There was a blueprint that was laid out. Literally back in the Old Testament, they shared in everything. If they want to see love get the, the credit for it, then literally you got to say, you know what? It's time to do something with these. And the other day I was talking to my wife and she was wanting more cabinets, right? Because we need more cabinet space. We got more kids. I was like, no, nah, we just go through and manage our cabinets a little bit better. I think there's a better way to do this. And, and I was just looking up some of this china that we have since we got married and it's just been sitting there. It's been sitting there for 15 years. I was like, what if we got rid of that? It's worth some value. What if we sell it on, you know, get rid of .com or why? Well, there's all kinds of things out there, right? And I guarantee it somebody will buy it. And then we just turn that money over to, to church and just watch what God does with it. And she's like, well, that, well the cabinets will get freed up, but I don't want to get rid of my stuff. I'm like, we got to get rid of our stuff. It's just, you complain about stuff all the time. I'm getting in trouble now. But the truth be told, there was, we, all of us has got a lot of stuff that's probably worth a value that we could get rid of and then, we turn that money over to God and just watch what happens. A, you'll be a lot more happier at home because it's less clutter. But B, God's going to get the, the privilege of using it in a way that glorifies him and, and love's going to get the credit when people literally filter in here because they're experiencing now love that changes their life. You see, these people, they change the world with some dishes, y'all. Just some simple dishes. Because they were the best dishes. They were gold and silver. And they changed the culture. They rebuilt the temple. Now, what's our best? How do I lead the way with crazy generosity? What would happen if you start to give God your first? Now, I know we've had some amazing stories even in the past year where people have gone all in on this and it's changed their lives and God showed off and, and really allowed them to experience this. But, 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 but if everyone began to pull their own weight here at, you know, and we begin to center and we lead, led the way with crazy generosity, then, then, then our offerings would definitely go up, Right? But what would happen is more changed lives if we're just really honest. What we know last year is right now, we took in right around about $150,000 last year, which is a portion of people giving. And sometimes people just tip God. 
And I know that. And sometimes we just, we're in that mold and we, we, we need God to move us first. And I'm not going to beg for money and I don't want people to underhear that this morning. But I just want you to really consider what does it look like to start to be generous with what God's given you. We would be able to do more and the church would get the credit for it because we are so on mission. You see, when schools come and they ask me or they call me and they, they talk to us with Family First and they say, hey, we have a kid who's in need and we go get him a coat. We're doing that, but there's also other needs. There's a lot of other needs. We're able to, what if the schools call us first and say, listen, we've got some huge things that we would like to do and we just, we write the check. What if the local government down the, down the street say, hey, Centerpoint, we, we've got some things and, and we, we don't know how to pay for them and we're just able to just to write the check. What if, the, what if the, literally the, the, the mayor calls us and says, you know, you guys have been doing a great job with Love Loud Now and you're all feeding. What, what if they call us first and they say, hey, would you all partner with us? Can you all tell me where that happened naturally? It happened a long time ago in the first century church. You see, we've drifted. We drifted because we started building our own kingdoms. Churches were more about their walls than they were about Love. They say it was about love, but it's not happening down the halls. It's just, it's just a word we've thrown in there. You see, I want us to be a church that has the shared value of that love built this because love changed my life. You see, what happens is next in Acts is this in verse 46. It says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in their homes for the Lord's Supper and they, they changed their, their meals uh, with, with great joy and generosity. There's that word again. It's there. I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. And then all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And it says this word in two words. It says, and each day, each day, not just on Sundays, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Those who are experiencing Jesus' love each day because the people got serious, they owned it. You see, number four, it says this, I will give up the things I love for the things I love even more. I will give up the things I love for the things I love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice with those who are like-minded for his church. The local church is the hope of the world and we know we can accomplish infinitely more when we are together than apart. When we do life together, the church is alive and well, and people around us start to see what real love looks like. Our teams, our groups, and our gatherings, our, and our church literally gets to see life change at its core, and it literally changes the environment. You see, the result of doing these four simple things is these four words that we've been throwing out for well over a couple years now. It's changed lives that what? Change lives. That's where we're at. It's changed lives that change lives. What if we took these four things this morning and became fully devoted in becoming partners of advancing our personal Jesus stories together for the gospel in our area? What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? Here's what I do know. In a 15-mile radius, if we can put center point right here where we're at this morning, in a 15-mile radius, so that's 30 miles, in 15-mile radius, there's approximately 75,000-plus people. Now, some people are like, wow, that's a lot of people. I didn't realize that. But there's around 75,000 people here. That quickly becomes, if you know Kentucky's population, right, becomes the third largest city in the state of Kentucky. Now, we are moving the boundaries a little bit, but we're just drawing a 15-minute drive. And most of you don't even think twice about a 15-minute drive. You drive from here to there, and it's 15 minutes. 
But 15 minutes gets you into a population of over 75,000 people. I know it's hard to believe, but again, Kentucky has 4.2 million people, right? There's actually 4.6 million bourbon barrels. That's crazy to begin to think about. But there's 4.2 million people in Kentucky. But Louisville has around a million people. We're not we're a couple miles away from Louisville. That's a, that's a trajectory for us, but not here. Lexington's got around 800,000 people. Still a little shot for us, but we're still focused right here, 15 miles. And right here where you work, where you live, where you play, Central Kentucky has 75,000 some odd people within a short, small drive from where you call home. With the data that we have and we've been able to compile on any given Sunday, this is what we know, that 10 to 20% of these people are going to church in the area where we call home. And Kentucky would be called a Bible Belt church, right? Where we think a lot of people, we, we have, we've had people all the time say, oh, I go to church. I'm part of church. I do this in my church. And I know they're not going to church. You can't even convince them to come to our church because they claim another church. But what I would challenge you is like, stop inviting them to church. Tell me Jesus' story. Because that leans somebody in. They're like, wow. Oh, well, that's different. But any given Sunday, any given area, there's 20%. Let's just use the high number, 20%, which, which only happens, by the way, in our culture on, on Christmas and Easter only, right? Places are filled up. But people love to claim church here. They claim that membership. Oh, I'm a member there. And so if we just use the math on 20% of 75%, you can do the math with me. It's not that hard, especially if you've got a brain. Um, that's close to 15,000 people right? That's 15,000 people who, who are just going to church because they're a member. That leaves us 60,000 people. That means there's 60,000 people left on this number. Now, I would guess, now I'm just guessing here. This is all my estimation, but I would guess there's probably about 10,000 people in our area that can't get out because of their age or a physical element or it's just literally some, something that's holding them back from being able to be a part of, Right? And we should be taking care. Scripture tells us to take care of those. And so I want to lean into that one, but that's not the point. That if you subtract that 10,000, that leaves us what? Come on, math wizards. 60 minus 10. Yeah, I heard it over here. I heard it over there. There's 50. 50,000 people, guys. 50 some thousand plus people where we work, where we live, where we play, who needs Jesus. Now, before we launched this church, we allowed our folks, our people who, our core team, and, and they just go out and just experience it. And so, you know where I went? I went to Walmart. Because I wanted to see who wasn't going to church, who wasn't involved. And I saw so many of the people that I graduated with, I was catching up with them. And they said, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I'm just sort of in between what God's doing. What are you doing here? And I stopped going to church years ago. Why? Full of hypocrites. Full of people who want money. Full of, I mean, the list went on and on and on. It's just like my heart started to break. I'm like, and I can't invite them to church. All they can do is just share my Jesus story because they're done with church. They're done with church. And if that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what will. It's like saying this, this, this building is on fire and no one moves. Because literally they're damned to eternal fire. And you don't give a rats. Think about that. That should just move you. It should move all of us. And that's exactly why we can't slow down. 
if we, if we all commit to being fully devoted to our Jesus stories, we will be able to reach a, a population of unchurched people, those who are far from God. It's your neighbors, it's your coworkers, it's your friends, it's your family. And we will be able to plant churches in the cities around us, in Mercer, in Lincoln, in Garrett, in Casey, in Washington County. And you, and you, and you, and you will be the church planners because you're so fired up to see people see what you have experienced. And that's when we get to experience what something only God gets the credit for because we can fundamentally say that love built this. He built this through our sacrifices and he's changed my life and I understand the sacrifice that he made and I cannot slow down because I'm on a mission to share the love that I have for my, my Savior. So this is my question for this morning. Will you partner with us? There's no form to fill out. There's no application to fill. Will you begin to partner with us in, in sharing? Sharing in a way that literally Jesus gets the credit for. Will you allow God to, to go all in and with him and, and to experience that something Jesus can build? And he's building something in you when you allow that to happen. It change, changes your life. You see, we don't need members who have rights here. We need partners who share the responsibility. We need partners who share the responsibility because we believe that love built this and wants to do more than we can ever think or imagine. So literally, he gets all the credit. So where are you at? Where are you at? I pray that you move into what love is all about because in scripture it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave. And if you're here and gave us money, that's a hard thing. But it is something that we need to consider. What does it mean with our time, our talent, and our tithe? And when you start to understand that, you start to share your Jesus story in a way that literally changes lives. You don't invite people to church, you invest into their life to see love move them. I pray that you're challenged. I pray that you're challenged right now and the altar's filled with people who, who literally need to start working on this. Remember in Ezra, it says they began to work, chapter three. They began to work. But here's my question for us this morning. Who is it that you need to start investing to this week? Who is it that you need to share your Jesus story with? Who is it that you need to literally go out, camp out on their front porch, even in the cold, and go share the love of Christ with? Who is it? It's on you. Because the pastor can't do it all. I only got one amen on that one, by the way. We're not called to do it all. There's where the mistake is made. Because all authority in heaven and scripture and power has been given to you, is what my Bible says. And so when you receive it, when you step into the light, you now own the privilege of sharing the story. So maybe you need to work on your story. Maybe you can't take a step forward until you get your story right. And I pray that happens. And maybe you're sitting here going, what in the world is he talking about? That's okay. That's okay too. I just pray you lean into what God's trying to do. Let me pray for us. I'm gonna sing a song. We're just gonna see what God does. Jesus, man, thank you so much for today. 
You partnered with us in a big way. You partnered by sending your son for us to be able to experience him. His name was Jesus and it changed the world. Jesus, I pray for us this morning that we just, we understand what that looks like and we, we, we literally go all in and we, we, we chase after that value of, of loving God, loving others and going making disciples. And at the end of the day, Jesus will be at the center of it and we can fully surrender to love built this through sacrifices, equal sacrifices. Father, that's my prayer, that we all go it all in to see a foundation of love being built that can change the atmosphere and change the world. In your name, amen.